I, I think we, we could all agree that we live in a pretty divided world. And we, we, we live in a, in a bit of a tribal society where we set up some boundary markers and it becomes an us versus them uh, type of relationship. And hatred and revenge, which we talked a little bit about last week, those are things that seem to be fairly prevalent in, in, in the world in which we live. Now, uh, you can say a lot of things about Scripture. You can say a lot of things about Jesus. One of the things that I think is clear Whatever it is you believe about Jesus, uh, you may or may not believe that he was the Son of God, that he was who he, who he said he was, but one thing about Jesus is that he believed that this world can be a better place. And by his actions and by his teachings, he brought about a new way to live in which humanity could better experience life. Like God, one of God's primary uh, emphasis and and. And purposes in sending Jesus to us was to give us a new way to be human, a new way to interact with one another, a new way to experience relationships. And uh, in in this divided world in which we live today, um, forgiveness and grace, forgiveness and grace are two of the things that have the potential, have the opportunity, the power to reset the relationships that are all around us. Does that does that make sense? That I think according to Jesus, and if, you, and if you follow the flow of Scripture, the stories of Scripture, you find this idea that forgiveness gives us a way, a power to reset the relationships in our life when we become divided, when we hate one another, when we have enemies, people who we feel like operate against us. Forgiveness is a powerful force in this world. Grace is a powerful force in this world. So one of the things I was thinking about last week uh, after we, we, we walked through was, okay, what does this look like practically? And I'm, I'm sure some of you had that same idea. Like, what does it mean practically to live in such a way that gives some grace, that, that doesn't allow uh, other people's actions to really just grind against me in a way that is just painful and it just it causes me to hate them? Like, when people cut me off on Shay. When there are three cars on Shea driving 42 miles an hour right next to each other, like what can we do other than talk about it in a way that you shouldn't do that, but what can we do? And um, I have this friend named Sarah back in Indiana, and uh, she's, one of these days we'll have her out to, to lead worship with us because she's an amazing, gifted uh, worship leader. I went to college with her. Robin went to college with her. And she posted this on Instagram. And I loved this. And I wanted to share this as an example. Um, and I think in some ways, this is a little bit of, of what Jesus was talking about. Now, this is a picture of Sarah and her family. She has a few kids. And um, so this is Sarah and Jeff surrounded by their love, their kids. Uh, the two youngest are twins that came along uh, in a surprising way to their family. Now, you can't read this, but I just want to tell you the, the quick story. So she took her kids one morning uh, to the doctor. They had to get shots. When you give your kids shots, sometimes they cry. Um, and she said, my kids just kept crying, and they wanted daddy, their superhero, to come home because dads are superheroes in those moments. And he was at work, and so I decided to take them to Chick-fil-A to get some ice cream, which works just as good as dad. And so <laughs> she took them to Chick-fil-A. She parked 
And she gets out of her car. She opens the the other side of the car to get the kids all zipped up with their jackets because it's cold in places like Indiana. It's raining outside. And she notices out of the corner of her eye a lady who's waiting to park in the spot next to her. And so she kind of pulls the the doors in just a little bit um, so the person can pull in. But the person just is waiting there. And she said eventually the person started shaking her head at her like, are you serious? Now, this is me making up this part of the story, but how, how can you stand there when you know I want to park in this spot, getting your kids ready to get out of your car? Come on, hurry up, lady. So she gets her kids, the two twins, in her arms. She closes the doors. It's raining outside, and so she starts to walk in. This lady walks in, and, or the, the, the person in the car walks in in front of her without holding the door um, for her. Someone else does. Now, for most of us, this would cause us a little bit of tension, would it not? I mean, would you give her the, the stank eye? I mean, or whatever that is, um, something. Um, you, you just wouldn't be happy. And so Jesus gives us ways to reframe. And one of the things that, you know, he, he says when we feel like we have enemies, we should pray for them or return a blessing for insult, right? She felt insulted in that moment. And she's sitting there with her kids and... Um, they're, they're, they're starting to eat, and she said, you know what, I decided I was going to say something to this woman. And she said, I didn't know what I was going to say, but I saw her in line, so I got up not knowing what I was going to say to her, so I walked over to her, and I said this. I said, you know, um, I've had a really tough morning, and it, and it seems to me like you've, you've had a tough morning as well, and so I, I'm just wondering if I could buy, buy your lunch today. The one, the one who was kind of insulted is wanting to buy lunch, and the person was like, no, I don't need you to buy my lunch. And she said, no, no, I would really like to do that. It just seems like it's been a rough morning, you know, for both of us. And I just would like to, and the, and the lady smiled back at her and said, I, you know, I can buy my own lunch. And she went and returned um, to her seat. But I thought, what a beautiful picture of how to return, a practical way for us to think about how do we return a blessing for insult? When someone insults us, how do we turn that around and bless them or pray for them? There are, there are ways that we can do that are, that are beyond what we normally think of. And when we read the story of Samson last week, it was, it was just, you know, it's, it's so crazy and big, like practically on a daily level. How do we forgive one another in this divided world? Um, we said this last week, and then we'll get into this week, um, hatred has the power to enslave us to the very people we consider enemies. When, when, we, when we allow hatred to get within us and be, begin to, to set its roots down, hatred begins to create these roots in us, and we, it actually enslaves us to the very people that we don't want to be a part of. I told you the story of Corey Ten Boom um, last week, who was uh, a, a soldier in, in, in uh, Nazi-occupied um, Holland, and uh, after World War II ended... Um, she f- was facing in a church after speaking, she was facing one of the soldiers who had been in the prison camp with her, who had killed people and done horrendous things. And she said the very thing she was speaking about, forgiveness, she had to practice right in front of her. And she says this, forgiveness is that key which unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. Now, my guess is, in a, in a room like this, with people like us, that there, there, there are some past wounds that just are continuing to gnaw at us. 
there's some hatred maybe with, with some of us down deep within us. And I think, I think God um, wants to, to dig that up, wants to do a work in, in pulling that out so we're no longer enslaved. So Colossians chapter 3, if you have your, your journals, if you don't have one, pick one up on your way out. Um, the, the verse this week says, begins like this, make allowance for each other's faults. In this new way to be human, um, make allowance for each other's faults. Now, if you're a perfectionist like me, you don't like this verse. Make allowance, but, but they don't deserve it. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And, and, and remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So it's this call back to remember the grace that we've received and calls us to give that same kind of grace. Now, we repeated a prayer called the Lord's Prayer just a few minutes ago. You remember that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it continues and it continues. And there's this line in there. And I don't know if you caught it. I don't know if you've ever caught it in, in saying the Lord's Prayer. But here's, there's this line that says, forgive us our sins. There's, there's some different ways of translating this. But forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, this is Jesus talking and, and there's just this one piece that just jumps out at me. Forgive us. And I want to scream that, like, forgive, forgive me, God. And then I want to be silent on the rest of it as I've forgiven others. Jesus says there is something tied between the way that God will forgive us and the way that we have forgiven those around us. Now... I don't know how you feel about that, but that makes me really nervous. Like, I, I, I don't know if I want God to forgive me just in the same ways that I've forgiven anybody else. Is anybody with me on this? Like, do you really want God's forgiveness to be tied in similar ways to the way that you forgive your spouse or your um, neighbors or that person on Shea? Or, I mean, just fill in the blank with, like, do you really want God's forgiveness to match that? Or is there something more there. And I realize over time that for me, um, I want all the grace that I can get, but I want other people to pay for what they've done. Does that make sense? Now, I know we laugh at that, but, but here's, here's how I say it, that, that um, I want to experience as much grace and forgiveness as I can for my mistakes and my sin, but I want you to pay for yours. Have you ever felt that before? I mean, if you really think about it, do you feel that? Like you want grace for your mistakes, but when someone else makes a mistake, when, when you hurt me, I want you to pay for yours. I have a reason for my mistake, but I'm not so sure your reason stands. Your reason isn't strong enough. Like you need to pay for what you've done. Now, maybe I'm letting you in a little bit too much on my, my personal feelings and thoughts, but can, can anybody relate to that? Like, I, I want to experience your grace, God's grace. I just don't know if I want to extend the same thing to you. Um, I was teaching a class years ago in a church setting, and um, we were talking about God's forgiveness and how wide and deep and long it is. And there was a lady in our class who said, 
So Matt, I, I believe I've experienced God's grace and forgiveness for all my past. And she said, I just have one question about God's grace. And I said, well, what's that? And she said, I have this brother. And you know, there's this story in the Bible that tells that there was a, there was a thief on the cross next to Jesus, and, and Jesus said that he would be with him in paradise. Like, he, like he, he asked for forgiveness at the last moment, and Jesus gave it to him. And I said, well, yeah. And she said, so my brother can live his whole life however he wants, and then at the very end, he can just ask for forgiveness, and God gives it to him? And I said, well, I mean, according to Scripture, Yeah. If he genuinely asked for forgiveness, that God would give it to him. And she said, well, I just can't buy that kind of a God because I think he's done too many things and doesn't deserve it. And I think that's how many of us view life, that we love the idea of that there's forgiveness for us, but other people have just done too many things and it's just too much. They don't deserve God's grace, which makes me ask the question, is it grace if we deserve it? I mean, is it, is, it, is, it, is it really grace if I deserve to receive that? And if I think I deserve it, then I might not be, I might not be being honest with myself about who I am. Jesus continues right after the Lord's Prayer, and you can go look this up in Matthew chapter 6 later if you like, but he continues with this last line, for if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And this is even stronger language, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Oh my gosh, Jesus. (laughs) That seems harsh. And uh, I, I read a bunch of commentaries because it's a tough, that's a tough teaching, it's, it's tough words from Jesus. And um, Tom Wright, who's a bishop, a, a theologian, he says this, and, and, I, and I think this is the heart of it. He says, the heart that will not open to forgive others. Here's the idea. The heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's own forgiveness is offered to us. Does that, does that make sense? Like when my heart is, is hard and closed and I don't have grace for the people around me, then when God offers me his forgiveness, that closed, hardened heart won't open to receive what God has for me. Like it's a condition of the heart. And this concept of the flow of forgiveness that we've been talking about these these last two weeks, this, this flow is that we would not just step into God's forgiveness, not just receive it, but we would allow it to flow out of us in the same manner that God offers his forgiveness, that we would offer it to those around us. Um, this week, you're going to have the opportunity to, to, to read about Peter. And Peter was one of the, the very first Christians. He spent a lot of time with Jesus. And Peter was like many of us in that he, he talked a lot of times before he thought. Anybody have that disease, the foot and mouth disease? Um, like I say things that I wish I didn't say. Like Peter was that kind of a person. And so you're going to read a little bit about the story of, of Peter and Peter asked all kinds of questions. And I want to tell you one story from, from Peter's life uh, with, with this interaction with Jesus. There'll be some others that you read this week. But Peter comes up to Jesus, and he says to, to Jesus, he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, that word sin is an interesting word. How, how many times should I forgive someone who has hurt me, who has done something wrong against me? Like, how many times should I do that? 
And then Peter says seven times with a question mark. Now, for many of us in the Western world reading that, that kind of makes no sense. Like, is seven, is that just a, a random number that he picked out? And the answer is no, it's not a random number. Um, so in, in, in Jewish thought, you were required to forgive someone three times. It was this real, like, static number. Like, somebody hurts you three times, you're to forgive them three times, and after three times, you're off the hook. That's awesome. <laughs> then I would definitely keep a record book, you know, with, like, <laughs> all right, scratch their name off the list. I can just let it go. Um, it's a different kind of flow. Uh, seven times. So what, what, what Peter was saying, it was like this, this, like, Jesus juke kind of a thing, like, not just three, Jesus, but seven. That's one more than double what I'm supposed to do. And I think Peter probably felt good about that. Like, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven? I know the tradition says three, but I can do seven. Is that enough? And Jesus replies, no, 70 times seven. Like, just to throw this ridiculous number at him. Like, you can't even keep track of this many times. And then Jesus as he always brilliantly does, tells a story. And here's the story he tells. He said there was this, this man who, who, owned, who, who, who owed another millions of dollars. Like the translation is a ridiculous amount of money. Um, to which, at, at which point people probably laughed, like chuckled, like that's ridiculous. He can never pay that much money back. It's like our national debt. Like, you can never pay that back. Like, that's crazy how big that is, right? Like, just not possible. And um, the man before the king begs him to relent. Don't throw me in prison. Don't sell me as a slave. Um, don't, don't do that. Like, I will repay it if you'll give me time. And the king looks at him. And this ridiculous amount of money, the, the king says, no, I'm not going to give you any more time. Your debt is paid in full. He released him. Paid in full. Now, people probably felt like, whoa, in this day and time, like that much money, he really owed that much money, and they just wrote, like the, the king just wrote it off? That's crazy. Like, how could he do that? Well, now what's this guy going to do? And so this guy leaving from just having experienced this, this great amount of grace, he, he leaves, and as he's leaving, he notices somebody who owes him a few hundred dollars. And the numbers in Scripture are very, um, very specific. He owed a huge amount, and the man that he saw, this person that he saw, owed just a few hundred dollars, just a small amount of money. And he grabbed him and he demanded payment. Give me what you owe me. And the, the, the wording that Jesus uses is the exact same wording that he just used to plead with the king. And the man said, no, just give me some time. I promise I'll pay every bit of this back. The same exact language. But he shook him and said, you give me the money. or He couldn't pay. And so this... This man who had just received all this grace and forgiveness for what he owed had him thrown in prison until he could pay his debt. And 
some of the men around the king saw what had happened and, and went to him and said, you're not going to believe this. Matt over there, who you just forgave that huge amount, is demanding Sarah pay him back a small amount of money. And the king brings Matt before him and says, Matt, is this true? Well, now, I'm going to throw you into the prison until you return what you owed me before. And Jesus says, this is what it's like in God's kingdom to receive this amount of grace, forgiveness, and love, and yet not be willing to extend that is not going to be the way the kingdom operates in this world. Now, it's a story that Jesus made up, but it's a powerful story, wouldn't you say? Having been, having been forgiven this, this huge amount, and yet we turn to those around us and demand just a small penance, what, what, they, own, what they owe us. Um, there's a documentary out, uh, was, was filmed recently. In the early 90s, do you remember the, the genocide that took place in Rwanda? And um, the story is that over 60,000 who had, who had been the ones to enact this, this genocide, soldiers, had been thrown into prison. But there was this overwhelming sense that there was no way to try all these people who had been a part of it. Um, over, I think, 70, 80% of Rwanda considers themselves Christians, followers of Jesus, consider that they do things differently. And, um, and so the government challenged the people to forgive those who had enacted so much hatred toward them. Um, the government released 60,000 who had been the ones to kill almost an entire people group. And the documentary tells the story of what it means to be people of forgiveness, who, who, are, who are willing to begin to, 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 to let go, and they're finding this release from a prison that they've created themselves, not being willing to forgive. Now, a couple things, um, and then, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Forgiveness is, is a lot of times not what we think it is. And I want to make sure we understand what, what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not condoning someone else's actions. And I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Con, con, when we forgive, it doesn't mean that we say, you know what, that was okay that you did that. That's, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not empowering other people to continue to do the things that, they, that they've done. Forgiveness is more of, of, a, of a personal thing in, in letting go of what that person owes you. It's, it's, it's an internal, more of an internal thing. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation because reconciliation takes two people, two sides, to come back together and reestablish relationship. So when you forgive someone, when, when you say, you don't owe me anymore, I'm, I'm forgiving you what you owe me, the, the hurt that you've done me, um, it's not saying we now have the same relationship that we had before. 
And this is so powerful in destructive relationships, especially, that, that forgiveness is not continuing to put yourself in the same position again and again and again with the people that have hurt you. But rather, reconciliation is two people coming back together. Um, forgiveness simply says, you don't owe me anything anymore. It removes me from the judgment seat, which, listen, there's a lot of pressure when we sit on the judgment seat. There's a lot of pressure. And so it takes us off that, that seat of judgment, and it releases us from the prison that we put ourselves in when we continue to hate the people around us. Now, now you know this, and I know this, that, that when we hate someone, we are so eaten up, we are so distracted by that hate that we can't experience true joy in this world. It just drags us down. It creates a prison that we ourselves live in, and we can't get out. Forgiveness gives us the power to get out of that prison. Uh, Lewis uh, Smead says this. He writes a lot about forgiveness. I like this. Uh, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that prisoner was you. You know, to, to let, you feel like you're letting someone else out and you find that you've let yourself out of prison. Um, again and again and again, in Scripture, we find stories of forgiveness and Jesus calling us to, to, to forgive. And um, one of the last things that we see when Jesus is hanging on the cross, you, you remember this? And, and he cries out, Father, forgive them. Like he's, he's dying. And with his dying breath, he, he asks that God would forgive the people who, who are putting him to death. It's this beautiful picture, and it gives us a new way to be human. That's how we started today. Like, Jesus is giving us examples of a new way to be human, a new way to live in this world, a new way to experience joy and peace and hope with those around us. And forgiveness is the tool. It is the, it is the, the thing that leads us. It's the flow that brings life to all of us. So two primary uh, questions before we, we sing one last song. The, the first one is this. Um, is there somebody in your life, is there somebody in your world right now that desperately needs your forgiveness? Now, there are times that person that needs your forgiveness is you. You're holding yourself in a prison on both sides of the equation. You've done something in your past that you just can't get like you can't get around, and you need to forgive yourself the same way that God offers you his forgiveness. But, but for others of you, you're holding something against someone else, and this hatred is just eating you alive, and you are becoming a bitter, a bitter soul. And so I'd ask you, is there someone that you've just been, you can't get past, you've been eaten up inside, you've got this hatred that's just, creating these roots going down. And I would say, if that's you today, I want to encourage you when we sing here in the, in the next few minutes to write their name down and ask God to give you the power to forgive them again and again, every time they come up in your mind. Forgiveness is like gardening. I said this last week. Forgiveness is like gardening. And it requires that we get down and work in the soil again and again and again to turn that soil over. Every time that comes up, um, 
to, to, to be willing to ask God, God, give me the power to forgive again and again and again. Um, there's this, I, I think it's an unhealthy thought that we can forgive and forget. I think our human minds have a difficult time forgetting, don't you? And, and I think the concept is that God would again and again give us the power to forgive when they come to, come to mind because it, we, we can't forget. Every time, God, I pray you'd give me the power to forgive that person. I can't do it. So maybe you want to write that person's name down. Maybe you want to put it over here on this paper and put it on the cross as your way of asking God to do that in you. Um, here's the second question. Have, have you fully leaned into and experienced God's forgiveness in your life? Have you, as, as God extends this forgiveness to all of humanity for the ways that we hurt one another, for the ways that we live in opposition to his love, and all of us have done that, right? I mean, all of us have lived in opposition to God's love in this world. Have, have, you, have you embraced that forgiveness? Have you received that forgiveness? Have you experienced that in your own life? And the good news of Jesus is that that's a free gift for each one of us. That we don't have to be, um, we don't have to be trapped by the sin, by the, by the mistakes, by the, by the anger, by the hatred that we've, we've lived in our past, but rather we can be set free from that through God's forgiveness for us. There's this mysterious thing that happens when we embrace and lean into that. We experience hope for a new, in a new way, a new way to be human and live through Jesus who came and gave us a beautiful picture and then gave up his life so that we could be set free. So have you embraced that today? Have you leaned into that? Have you experienced the goodness of God's love made known through Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, I would, I would encourage you to take hold of that today. Just take a step of faith and say, God, I don't, I don't fully understand or know what it, what it means, but, but I step into your grace and forgiveness through what Jesus Christ accomplished.